0: So we're starting a new series today, and the title of this series is Faith Activators. Faith Activators. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a multi-part series. We're going to do about the next four weeks, and there's going to be a little break, and then we're going to start another one, and it's going to be part two of it, and we're going to be talking about all these different things that activate faith. And in the same way there's things that activate faith, there are things that can deactivate your faith, too so we're going to break all those things down because what God gave us as a church for 2023 was that this was a year of faith, a year where we were going to grow in faith. We're going to expand our faith. We're going to move in faith. We've thought, spoken the last few weeks about believing, about speaking, about moving at his word. And so if you haven't heard it, the definition that we've been building on for faith is this. It's complete trust in someone or something. Now I want you to say the word complete. See, I think that that is part of one of the most important words in that definition. Complete trust. It's not just trust in someone. It is complete, whole trust in someone or something. And so because I'm a definitions guy, teacher in me, I like definitions. I like to understand. I looked up... I felt I, I, when the Lord gave me these series of messages over the last few months, I was like, Lord, what do we call it? And, and, and I just was sitting there and the, the word came faith activators. And, and so I, I had to search. What is the word activator? What is an activator? Well, the definition of a, in the dictionary, an activator is a substance that stimulates or initiates a chemical reaction. That's what an activator is. A substance that initiates or stimulates a chemical reaction. Let let, let me put it for you in in visual that you can understand. If you ever were in school at one point in time, or if you have children who had to do a science fair project, at one time in their life, there's the volcano project. Where you got to build this volcano thing, and you got to get baking soda, which is a base and you add vinegar, which is an acid, and the acid to the base causes a chemical reaction. The baking soda begins to fizz and it becomes, uh, uh, it starts to like, almost like a carbonation is happening, right? It begins to release the CO2 on it and it bubbles over. The baking soda by itself, nothing, the vinegar by itself, nothing, put it on top, activated. Here's another example. When you build slime. Anybody build slime here before? I mean, if you don't have not built slime, you probably don't have little kids. Kids want to play with slime. And you go and you, you get the Elmer's glue and you mix the Elmer's glue with the water and you do all the different things. And then you have to add the slime activator, which allows it to be movable, yet not sticky. And it's weird because without that liquid, it's super sticky because it's glue. But that liquid activates something and causes a reaction where now this substance, which once was sticky, is still fluid and movable, but no longer sticky because a reaction took place. And that's what an activator is. So when you hear now the term faith activator, this is what I wrote as a definition for it. An action that activates your faith. An action That activates your faith. You could have said that stimulates your faith. That initiates your faith. And our faith needs corresponding action. And there are many different things that we're going to go through that the Bible teaches us that are things that activate faith. And that activate your faith or activate my faith. All right. So that's where we're going to be going throughout the series. We're going to dig into this. So I want to start right now with Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. This is going to be the main passage for this entire series. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse number one says, now faith is the assurance. Other translations say the substance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The evidence of things or the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And we need faith to believe that and to understand that, right? And then this next section is what is considered or known by Christians all around the world as the Hall of Fame of Faith. How many of you have heard that? The Hall of Fame of Faith, right? And it begins to detail all these men and women. So let's look at where it starts. Verse number four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And this morning, I want to focus on this. Giving activates our faith. Giving activates our faith. Giving activates our faith. I wrote this statement down. There is an element of faith when you give, but there is also giving that activates our faith. There's an element of faith when you give, but there's also giving that activates faith. So Abel, let's find out what we know about Abel. Genesis chapter 4 tells the story. Chapter 4 of Genesis says, Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Watch, this is what we know about Abel. He's the second born of Adam and Eve. He was a shepherd. He gave an offering to God of his firstborn of the flock and the fat of the flock, right? That's what he gave to God, and then he was killed. We don't know if he ever married. We know he didn't have children. That's all that we know about faith. Sorry, about Abel. Yet he's the first person God talked about in the hall of fame of faith. I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I have wrestled with God for weeks about starting the series about, with giving, being an activator of faith. You can ask Pastor Jose. We sat there in the back this week, and I said, I'm not sure where I'm starting the series yet. I know everything I'm talking about, but the first thing is giving, and I don't want to talk about giving. I don't like talking about giving. Up till yesterday, I was wrestling and fighting with God. God, I don't want to talk about this as the first part of the series. And I felt God asked me this type of question. Are you willing to give your pride? Are you, giving, are you willing to give who you are and speak what I'm telling you to speak? Because if I put Abel as the first one in the Hall of Fame, and it was giving that impacted, start it that way. Yes, Lord. I will eat humble pie. We don't like hearing the word giving. And many times it's because we only associate money with giving. But I'm going to show you multiple things in the scripture where it talks about giving. And yes, money is definitely one, but there's so much more. See, stay in Hebrews 11 and go to chapter, verse 17 for a minute. Stay in Hebrews 11. The vernacular of verse 4 was, by faith, Abel what? Offered. He gave. That was his giving. Scroll down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, shall all your offspring be named he considered that god was able to even raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking he did receive him back watch Abel's giving activated his faith his giving of the actual livestock which by the way when you read the law that came forward through Moses hundreds of years later is what was supposed to be given to God the firstborn the 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 animal even if you were a farmer what you were supposed to do was trade your goods and give God the fat of the calf it's what you were supposed to do and apparently God and Cain had had a conversation about it which is why God tells Cain sin is crouching at your door there's something contrary here what are you gonna do look at what God tells Cain right he says to Cain if you do what is right will you not be accepted they both probably got the same instruction one obeyed and the other one did not but now let's talk about Abraham Genesis chapter 22, you can write it down, you can read it later. I'm not gonna read the whole passage. Genesis chapter 22 details the story of Abraham with Isaac. Now, let's give you the Cliff Notes version, all right? Abraham is promised by God the land of Canaan was coming to his descendants, yet he has no children. He gets to a place where his wife has the bright idea, sleep with my servant. I'll give her to you, Hagar, as a wife, and maybe through her we have our child. And it happened, and it wasn't the son of promise. God again reiterates, I'm going to give you a son, and, and, and Abraham laughs. We talked about it two weeks ago. Abraham laughs and says, oh, that it might be Ishmael. And God says, nope. I'll bless him too but I'm giving you a son and after he gives him the son and years has passed God says to him give me your son he didn't ask Abraham for a monetary gift he asked them give me what I promised you which is where everything that comes to you will come out of are you willing to give me that Abraham, the Bible says, Genesis chapter 22, remember, Genesis 22, say it, Genesis 22. I want you to read it later, all right? You can realize I'm not making this stuff up. I always say, you need to read the word of God. If I say anything contrary to what the Bible says, I'm wrong. The Bible's right every single time. God tells Abraham, get your son, your only son, and go to this mountain and sacrifice him the bible says abraham grabs the boy some of his men grab all the stuff and they say we're going to go worship right we're going to go give an offering to god they get closer to the mountain he tells all of the people with him this abraham's statement was this the boy and i are going to go worship and we will be back he was convinced if he gave god right. what god asked for yes. he would still have his son on the way back right So he starts walking up the mountain with him. And at one point, Isaac, who's done this with dad before, he says, yo, dad, I see the rope. I see the fire. I see the wood. You got a knife. Where's the ram? And this is the first time we hear this name of God. He says, Jehovah Jireh. This is what the translation is. The Lord will provide. provision didn't come at that moment. No, no, no. They got to the place. He built the altar. He put Isaac on the altar. I don't know if Isaac fought back. I don't know if Isaac argued. I don't know if Isaac had the same faith as his dad. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but the Bible does say that Abraham put him on the altar, tied him down, and had the knife up in his arm when God said, stop. I now know you will hold nothing from me. And in that moment, a ram in the thicket went, or whatever sound a ram makes. (laughs) Abel and Cain were told to give something. Abraham was told to give something different. Abraham and Abel obeyed God in giving and their faith activated. I'm, I'm, let's, let's talk about another one See, I told you giving activates our faith but giving also reveals our heart giving reveals our heart watch this go to 1st Kings chapter 17 1st Kings chapter 17 we hear the story of this lady she's a widow she's known as the widow of Zarephath we don't know her name God didn't think it was important for us to know her name. And this is what happens. The beginning of chapter 17, Elijah prophesies there's a drought coming to the whole land. You know what happens when there's a drought? No rain. No rain, no watering the crops. No watering the crops, no f- grain. No grain, no bread. F- Get it. This is the condition of where they're at. Economy is back. <laughs> Verse 8, the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Wit's end. Drought. No provision. There's nothing. Faith is dead for her. Her faith was this. We're going to have one final meal and then we're going to die of starvation. Verse 13, Elijah says, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me and afterward, Make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. The jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. This is what God says to the widow who he already had. He already had told the widow because God told Elijah, I already commanded a widow to feed you. But she was wrestling with the act. She was wrestling with the giving of it. So then she gets there. And it says she went and did. As Elijah said. And she and her, she and he and her household ate for many days. Like it only talks about her and her son, not even her household. That means her cousins, everybody started coming because the flour and the oil in her house never ran dry what activated her faith giving the prophet the piece of cake giving activates faith giving what whatever god asks you to give perhaps god has asked you to give something and you haven't given it like I, I, I don't know why I have one story of Pastor Dolosin like ingrained in my head, and I heard it probably like 20 years ago. And 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 he was preaching, and he was talking about this lawnmower that he had, and he's and 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 he had this beautiful like riding lawnmower, right? And 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 he had it sitting there like in the shed or the garage or whatever. And and he had it there, and one day he feels God tell him, "Give your lawnmower to your neighbor." And he argued with God, like. But God, this is my lawnmower. It cost me this amount of money. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And and he said, give it to your neighbor. He was like, but but God. And, and God's like, you don't use it. Right? He had a landscaper a that came. He said, if you don't give it, you will have to end up being the one who rides it and cut your own grass. In other words, God says, if you don't give it, permission is losing. You're going to lose provision. He says he got on it. He turned it on, drove it to the neighbor and says, here, God told me to give you this. What's God telling you to give? What gifting? What talent? There's people that are gifted with a certain talent, and God has told you, use it for my glory, and you have been reluctant. And we wonder why our faith hasn't been activated, and we haven't seen the hand of God. We have a gifting for for, for some specific thing. Maybe you're an amazing mechanic and God told you, hey, you see that old lady over there? She's by herself, Offer to change her oil every three months. And you're like, but ah, it's going to be weird or whatever. God told you to give it, do it. Because the giving will activate faith. And I made these two statements, right? Giving activates faith. And the second point is giving reveals our heart. Abel's and Cain's heart were in different places. But do you know where else Jesus talks to us about this? In the book of Mark. Write it down because I'm not going to read it, but check me, okay? Mark chapter 10, we hear a famous story of a young man. He's called the rich young ruler is what we know him as. We don't know his name either. I think there's something of importance for us to realize People don't need to know our name. We just need to do what God tells us to do. That, that, that's another preaching there. Amen. Yes, Lord. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus one day, Mark chapter 10. And he says to him, what do I got to do? I want to get to you. I want to get to What do I got to do? Jesus says, well, what, what does the law say, right? What, what, what is written? He says, well, you got to honor this. got Jesus tells him these different things. And the kid says, All of that I've done since my youth. I've done all of that since I was a little kid. Jesus says, well, you got one thing left. Go sell all your belongings, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. The Bible says his countenance fell. He became extremely sad. And he walked away, for great were his possessions. Watch. He had faith. But the complete faith was in his possessions, not in God. So when God said, give the possessions away and put all of the trust in me, he said, I can't do that. And he walked away. Mark chapter 12, it tells us Jesus was a people watcher. Anybody here a people watcher? You know what I mean by people watcher? Like you get to the mall, you get somewhere, you sit there and you watch people. I love watching people. Sometimes I got to repent after watching people because I laugh because they fell or something like that. I was like, Lord, you know. <laughs> the day we were at the park in, the, in the, the middle school field trip thing or the middle school thing that I was at uh, last week. And uh, one of the teachers, he, he tried to jump over this little thing and he fell. And he got up real quick like nobody saw. him. I was like, bro, you got sniped. I saw you. Are you all right? Like, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Digress. It says that Jesus sat there across From the mailbox, the box, whatever you want to call it, where the people put in their offering. And he sat there watching. And it says that as he was watching, there was a bunch of rich people that would come by and put in large sums. And then there was this little old widow who came by and put in two mites, which the Bible is clear and tells us is worth a penny probably less than that with inflation (laughs) and Jesus looks at the disciples and says she gave more than everybody else the disciples look it's like I'm sure what their faces would have been like what two plus two is four Jesus like did you skip math like you know arithmetic abacus whatever He says, the rich people, they gave out of their abundance. She gave all she had. Her willingness to give caught Jesus' eye because her heart was right. now I'm going to downshift here for a second because I got to make this statement. If you are a tither, that is amazing because you are being obedient to what God has commanded. Tithing is not giving. Because when you tithe, biblically, you are returning to God what is already His. Some people think, well, I'm a giver because I, whatever. I make 10 grand and I give God a thousand. You didn't give God anything. You return to him what was his because it is an act of faith and obedience when you tithe that you are believing that God can do more with the 90 that he left you than with the hundred that you chose to keep. And I can tell you biblically the tithe is already God's because if it wasn't his, he wouldn't say that when you withhold it, you rob from him because you don't rob what is yours. You only rob what belongs to someone else. Here's my second point that I want to tell you. God doesn't need your money, nor mine. If you got the email with the verse of the day and the thing you read, today, actually, co- no coincidence, right? The verse for today is Psalm 25, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He doesn't need it. It's all his. But tithing is an obedience act. So is giving. And giving is what then activates faith. It could be money. It could be a talent. It could be a gift. It could be a car you've had sitting there for five months and God says, why do you have it there? Give it away. Oh, I'm going to sell it. No, give it. Like Joel Osteen with the lawnmower. Some of us have stuff in our closet that we've never worn and that we'll never be able to wear again. <laughs> Don't keep it as a memory. Right? Like I got a tux in my, I got to give it, remind me today. I, gotta give, I have a tux that I got when I was in high school. Listen, it doesn't matter how much weight I lose, I ain't going to fit in it again. Why is it in my closet? Thank you, Lord. I, I, I will give it away why do I have it there and I ask you this what is God asking of you and of me to give for what we are believing for I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher I'm not a name it and claim it preacher I'm not a give a two thousand dollar offering for a two thousand year blessing right like I, I, I that's not me as a matter of fact Even if you're you're first time, you'll realize we don't even stop to pick up offering and tithe later. I've had people tell me, like, how do I give here? I was like, you're right. We should tell people how you do it. Because if you want to obey God with your tithe and offering, like, you should know how. God doesn't need it. But when he asks something, he expects it to be done. Why? Because in his blessing... There's so much more. So I ask, what is God asking you to give? What is God asking me to give? Has he asked me to give of my time to train someone? Has he asked me to give of a talent to fill and do something? Has he asked me to, to, to give of a gifting? Like what is God asking me to do? To then activate faith. I've shared my story, our story. It was the summer of 2009 when we got the medical report that we couldn't have children. And we cried and we said, we are in faith that God is going to do it. It sounded great. Here's the problem. It was a dead faith. I'm just being vulnerable and honest. We would pray, but we wouldn't do anything. We didn't act like if we were having kids. Yeah, we didn't tell anybody what we were going through. We did right on that. We we kept it. We were praying. But then December December 19 of 2009, 2009, Is when I had the slap in the face and I looked at my wife and I said, we're in faith, but what action have we done with our faith? Like we've done no action. Some of you have heard me share the preaching or or the testimony. We drove to Babies R Us. We became members. I still have the little plastic card because it's a treasure for me. We bought a booklet. We bought the, 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 the a Winnie the Pooh throw and the uh, the whole betting spread, and we bought all these different things. The, the following week, we were actually in Orlando, and we were walking to the coach outlet, and Patty saw this bag, and she was like, oh, man, I would love that as a diaper bag. And I was like, get it. Let's do it right now. Buy it. She still carries that bag till this day is what she uses for work because it's a testimony. But the other part of it was, God said, give me something that hurts. I'm not going to tell you how much it was because that's not your concern. God knows. The ministry where I sowed it knows. The IRS probably knows, right? Because <laughs> And I'll never forget, we were driving Two Babies Are Us. And I looked at her and I said, I feel God says to give this amount. And she looked at me and she says, are you sure? And I said, God says it. She's like, well, if God said it, let's do it. And I called the pastor of the ministry on his cell phone. And he answered the phone and he was like, yeah, what's up? It's late. And you're calling. He was like, no, I need to do this thing. And he was like, I'm at the movies with my wife. And I said, I don't care. I am texting you my credit card. I need your ministry to run it tonight because this is what we're standing on. December 19, 2009. She was born October 9, 2010. That day, my wife had gotten her period. She never got another cycle until after she weaned Abigail from nursing. What was the difference? I obeyed, and I acted crazy. I bought things for a baby the doctor said I couldn't have. I became a member of a baby store when I couldn't have babies. And I gave what God said to give. That's what shifted. And so what is it? You're believing God for that husband or believing God for the child or believing God for the promotion or believing God for X, Y, or Z as you are believing God. God, what do you want me to give? Abraham, give me your son. The widow, give the prophet a cake. The other widow, give the penny. Abel, I know I was going to think, yeah, give the sheep, whatever. What do they all have in common? They gave what God asked for? And their faith was activated. I told you at the beginning. I wrestled. Wrestled. But I had to be willing. To suck it up on my flesh. And preach it in the order that God put it. Because the first person that entered the hall of fame is the guy that all we knew about him was that he was the second born of Adam and Eve, was a shepherd, and his offering pleased God. As the worship team comes to the altar, this is what I want us to do this morning. Listen, I'm not picking up a second offering nor a special offering. Just so that you can be comfortable. Just know. But I want us to do this this morning. I want us to ask God, Lord, I'm believing for this. What do you want me to give? For some of you, it very well might be something monetary, for others, it might be something tangible, for others, it might be something prophetic. I just showed you multiple instances in the living word of God of different things that God asked people for. I mean I can talk to you about David. When David met the angel at the threshing floor And he wanted the land to build an altar. And he went to the owner and said, what does it cost? And the owner said, what is this between? Like, I'm not, I will give it to you. And David said this, I will not build an altar to God if it doesn't cost me something. What is God asking you? Did God give you that child and you've made that child your God? And he says, give him back. Did God give you the promotion and you've made work your God? And he says, give it back. Did God give you something financially and he says, hey, this, your provision isn't that anymore. Give it back. I don't know, but whatever God said, tell him today, God, I will obey. And that which you ask for, I will give. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. And I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want anybody moving. Just, 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 just you and God right there. Because I believe that God has spoken to some people here already today about that which they were supposed to give. And again, I'm not being very clear. Whatever God has asked you to give, what is it and will you obey him? And say God, "Here it is. I surrender."